0: crack open our Bibles and we, and, we, and we see what God's Word has to say to us. We're in a series right now where we are just tracking through Romans. We're not going verse for, ver- for verse, but we are going chapter by chapter. And with the series is simply called Crux. And crux is the, pretty much the only time we use that word in daily life is to say the crux of the matter. That this is what it's really about. This is the heart. This is the epicenter. This is this core thing that this is all about. And the first of Paul's writings, when you open up your New Testament, then you have all of the historical accounts of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we have Acts, which is a historical account of the early church and how things rolled. So as soon as we come out of Acts, then we have Paul's letter to the Romans, and the reason that's next, is not because these aren't put in chronological order. These are put in in, an order to, to help someone who starts at the beginning and moves forward begin to understand, and Romans deals with the heart of the matter. As you get into Romans and you walk through it, it's just, it's so meaty, and it's, so much there for us. And so we're in our third week of this. And so we want to just go ahead and jump in this. And and we've looked at this concept before, that when it comes to our life in God, the crux of the matter is that it all hinges on Jesus. It all hinges on Jesus. Our calendars hinge on Jesus. We look at B.C. and we look at A.D., before Christ and Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. We even the just whether or not you give a rip about Jesus or not, just telling what year you graduated from high school is a reflection and was influenced by Jesus, this person we're looking at, this person we're talking about. You can't in our culture, you cannot escape him. It all hinges on Jesus. And it's not because the calendar does, it's because life does. In fact, when you read the old testament all of that is building up and pointing towards Jesus. It culminates in Jesus and everything afterwards is life in Christ and what it means to see this renewing work take place as the message of God's love and the gospel moves across the planet through the, <clears throat> through the miles and through the years. And it all hinges on Jesus. And as we begin to look at that as, as Christ followers, we can kind of go, yep, 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 I, I get that. I understand that. And then as we get into this, that can mean so many different things. I can say it all hinges on Jesus and all Christ followers nod. And then as we go, what that means, all of a sudden it can take all sorts of different rays. It can become all sorts of different things. And what we want to do is bring us back on topic. And for that, we have to have this place every time. Every time, not just the first time, every time we go to the Scriptures, we have to be willing to let them speak fresh to us. So many times we can go to things and feel like, we, oh, I've already understand that. But I tell you, every time we revisit it, I was challenged whenever I was at ASU, a freshman at ASU, to read the book of Philippians. It's just four chapters. It's pretty easy to read. It takes about, it takes about ten minutes to read it all the way through and to read philippians every day for a month read just read philippians every day so i sat there and the first day i's like really enjoyed it about the about the 8th day i'm like man uh, i've sure read this a lot um and so you know just being honest and so but man I tell you, as i went through then i it all of a sudden it began to get more and more rich to me and it was amazing to me how day 27 and day 28 that the riches of what paul had to say in philippians stood out stronger later than it did at the my first reading of it as because it the holy spirit begins to reveal it so we as we do this we need to be in a place where we're willing to let the holy spirit teach us freshly be able to every time we come in contact with the scriptures, because we should be as we're growing up. You've heard of this concept of being a baby Christian and a mature Christian. Where there's a point, there are these points where things where you begin to put two and two together, where things begin. Oh, I, I get that. That makes sense. And then you're sitting there, and you're reading in the New Testament, and you go back to the Old Testament, and 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 you remember that that john the baptist said jesus is the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and then you begin to read through leviticus and we talk about what the lamb was and how it had to look and you're like oh i get it these things are coming together this is amazing it gets richer and richer and i love to do that i love that process just in life where the light comes on and all of a sudden things begin to happen and click together it's one of my joys as a parent it's really cool and um my I, having seven kids i get to enjoy that a lot and um and so Colin, our four-year-old, is starting into that place where the other day she was sitting there and asking questions and saying, um, now uh your mom, um, shishi, um, she have a mom? Yeah, yeah, she had a mom. That's that's mom Uh mama d- does does non, does Nani have a mom? Yeah, that that's a different mom And uh not saying Meemaw. And uh and so and she's like, "What? Well, did she have a mom? Yes. Did, now, does she have a mom? How many moms is this going to take? Everybody has a mom. They all go through, and all of a sudden the light begins to come on, and you begin to understand, well, one of her favorite foods, a staple in Colin's life, if she won't eat anything else, she will eat French fries. That kid likes them. And so she just turns her nose up to everything. She will eat French fries. So she's had a ton of experience with French fries. She cannot remember her first encounter with a French fry. She can't. It, you just, it can't. it just doesn't happen. So she's had lots of experience with French fries, but she didn't fully understand French fries. And we were at Chick-fil-A, one of the best French fry places, the waffle fry, good stuff. And uh, I, you know, I said that, and now you can't have it today. It's Sunday. <laughs> and um. And so we were, at, we were at lunch, and Nat Turney, our worship leader who's out of town for a few weeks uh, enjoying his family in California, um, was at lunch with us, and I'm dealing with stuff, and they're sitting beside each other, and uh, she, boy, she's like, ooh, I love french fries. So Nat said, um, so you really like potatoes? She's like, no, I don't like potatoes. And, um, and she said, yeah, you do. You like potatoes? Do you like french fries? French fries are potatoes. No, they're not. They're not Potatoes. They are not from potatoes. Yes, they are. They're made from potatoes. So they go back and forth. She is not going to give in to him. So I walk up with an earshot. And she's like, Daddy, are French fries made from potatoes? And she's just ready for me to make Nat look stupid. I mean, she's, just, she's ready. She's poised. Me just prove him wrong. And, just, and I said, yes, sweetheart, uh, French fries are made from potatoes. And she just looks at him and says, I stand corrected. Where's a four-year-old, get us, stand corrected. We all busted up. It was hilarious. We're all cracking up in the middle of Chick-fil-A. But I tell you what, we need to be willing. When we go to the Scriptures, we need to be willing to stand corrected. Some things that we think we understand and we've got a handle on, as we dig deeper into grace and who Jesus is and what God has done, then we think we've kind of got a handle on it and we've got this and all of a sudden a greater depth shows up and we have to be willing to go, you know what, God, I stand corrected. I thought it was this, but it's this. I thought you were here and, and you're bigger than that. And Lord, I, I stand corrected. And, and what I want for me every time I go to the scriptures and what I want for you as a pastor every time you go to the scriptures is to be willing to have a stand corrected moment. That you're like, okay, I, I thought I got this and I thought I, I understood this. And what we want to do right now is before we get into Romans, I want to lay down Jesus' definition of something, okay? Because there's always this tension in the Christian world between this concept of grace and works. And we talk about grace here, and we talk about that God has, has ordained us and, and has called us to works, to do things for him. And you're like, where is this place? And there's a lot of people say, well, you got to walk in a balance of these different things. But let's just let Jesus define something right from the bat before we move in forward anymore. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 29. It says, Jesus answered. Jesus is giving the answer. And as Christ followers, we let his word rule. We do. That's what being a Christ follower is. You could be a Christ investigator and be here hanging out, and we're cool with that. It's awesome if you're a Christ investigator. Maybe you're just here. Somebody drug you here. You're on summer vacation and you're at this movie church. And I'm sorry. It'll be over soon. And, um, but for people who are Christ followers, we let his word rule. And so it says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this. This is the work that we're supposed to do. This is the work. This is it. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. What? What? It's not to act better. It's not to properly represent. It's not to undo all the bad we've done. Most of us don't have enough time of the day. Not enough I'm sorry cards on the shelves. No, it's not so many things we can think it's about. It's not about praying more. It's not about the work of God is to memorize the Bible. The work of God is to to be loving all the time. No. The work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. Faith in Christ starts it all. That is where our new creation comes about. And it's only by sitting there and trusting him. That's why Celebration Church is about nothing else but knowing God better and trusting him more. What is believing? Trusting. We are going to grow in this. Knowing him better and trusting him more. Why? Because then as I begin to have this place of where somebody offends me and I feel the Holy Spirit say, you don't have to defend yourself. Dare to love. Well they're going to take advantage of me again. Trust me. Love them. Then what's the work of God? To believe. Believe him. He's got this. I can operate different. I can I can love. I can love. I can step out. I can give grace where grace is not deserved, which is grace. I can be I can step out here and can begin to respond differently. I can, I can deal with my spouse differently. I can deal with my children differently. I can deal with my boss differently. I can deal with myself differently. Man, if I don't, if I don't let up on myself and keep myself under a, a strong schedule, then I'm just going to go off. And the Holy Spirit says, get off your back. Love yourself a little bit. Oh, I'm a dirtbag. i got to stay on me. No, I love you. Back off. This is it. All comes back to believing Him. Then the rest of it grows out of that. The rest of it moves out of that. And so now, as we move forward into the rest of, the, and we get into Romans chapter three, and we want that paradigm first and foremost that it isn't about God looking good; it's about our lives being changed. Man, this was a real holdup for me on multiple levels. I've shared with you my, my raw moment at summer camp before my senior year. And I felt the Holy Spirit draw me, draw me into him. And everything that I put on that tree, everything I put on that rack that I thought was supposed to go with it. And one of my arguments to God is, look, I don't want to make you look bad. I don't want to be one of these camp, crybaby. get my life right. I love God, and then three weeks later, I'm being a moron and making you look bad. Lord, I don't want to make you look bad. As if Brandon Clark can make him look good. That was the pride part of it. That if I really did this right, God, if I really got on your team, you're going to look pretty good. If I really commit to this, you're going to go up a notch. thinking we get it somehow even in that it comes back to ourselves and and i had this moment and and most of us as we've grown we have these places where we we have these raw moments and we see places in like like we worship and we see places in the bible that we're to worship and we're like god why 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 do we have to worship you if somebody said um you know what um you know you're hired You're, you're on our new team you're on our job um, and, um, you know, one of the things you have to do, you, you, you're going to have to worship me. You're going to have to come to work, and you're going to have to worship me. You're like, you're jacked up. You're messed up. I don't care what you're going to pay. I'm out of here. And then there's this thing that there's this little bit of put We realize God's big, but then we have this pushback of, Lord, it's just kind of weird that your writings tell us that we're supposed to worship you. Are you are you needy? Is Is, is God this needy? person in the distance that needs my accolades and my worship well what's the deal why's Why's God why in the world does God need you to to worship and as you grow you begin to realize it's not about him it's not about us all sitting here saying God's good God's good and then God finally feels good about himself we say it enough maybe somebody else will believe it no it reminds us It reminds us, it dials us in on that he's for us and he loves us and and he is good. That in the middle of all our bad that we've got a good God on our side. And let's look at Romans chapter 3. We've got to understand this. We've got to get this down. Romans chapter 3 verse 5. It says, but if our unrighteousness or acting stupid brings out God's righteousness, makes him look wise and awesome and good, more clearly... What, what shall we say? That God's unjust in telling us it's bad and bringing His wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. It's like there's some of you that think that if I, me acting bad, makes God look good because He's awesome. So since me acting stupid makes God look really smart and awesome, well, why then? Why am I penalized for acting stupid? That's it. That's a, that's a silly question. That's a silly question. That concept comes back in this deal that somehow, that all of a sudden, that so that I look fit, that I give y'all all coffee and donuts. Oh, wait. Not really. But so that all of a sudden, so that I look fit, that everybody else just doesn't work out and everybody else just is. And then all of a sudden, I, I look, I, now I look good. No, that's, that's goofy. That's messed up. That's not the way it is at all. This thing is not that way. It certainly not. If that, if that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood, my lying, enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously say about us? Paul is defending his gospel here, and I want you to watch this. Why not say, as some people slanderously claim that we say, there were a group of people that slanderously said that Paul taught this concept. Let us do evil that good may result. So then their condemnation is just. There are those that sit there and see the truth of grace, and they see it as this concept of a license to sin. And the thing is, is all all that tells me is, is that is those people that have that concern, is that's all they're concerned about is sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is this license to truly be what God called us to be. It's the power to be what he called us to be. And Paul preached grace so hard. Paul preached grace so clearly. That people thought, they took it out of out of context and thought, man, th- this grace measure, it's just be bad, be bad, so God looks good. No, not remotely. It's, it, grace is about life change. And as soon as I finally gave up, and even with my broken paradigm out there on that baseball field, at camp, I said, all right, God, I, I'm, I'm pretty much, I know I'm going to make you look bad, but you obviously want me. So I'm yours. And all of a sudden, that was when life change for Brandon Clark began to get, take place on an, escalated, on an escalated level. I had no idea the fullness is what I was saying yes to, but he did. He did. See, the beautiful thing is God didn't wait around on us to seek him. He pursued us. Romans 3.9 says, What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage do we, do we have a leg up on this thing not at all because we understand the we understand the, the Bible and the Old Testament and all of these different scriptures do we have an advantage not at all for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles those that grew up understanding who the one true God is and those that didn't give a rip all alike are under the power of sin as it is, as it is written there is no one righteous, not even one. The best person you know, the best person you know, doesn't even remotely make have, have enough going on for them to be made right with God on their own. The best. All of us. All of us. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have together become worthless. there is no one who does good, not a single one. So in that place where we were all jacked over and we all had turned away, nobody, nobody pursuing God, nobody really dialing into him the way it was supposed to be, then he pursued us. First John 4.10 says, "This is love, not that we loved God." But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Paul's gonna echo this concept again in, in a couple of weeks in chapter five. See, the truth is, is that being made right with God, salvation, it comes by believing in Jesus. And that's it. That is it. You're saying, Brandon, we kind of hit on this on week one. Yes. And Paul doesn't relent. He doesn't just check it off and move on. Why? Because we will drift. We will turn it into more than that. We'll begin to pile stuff on. Let's go ahead and read on verse 20. He says, therefore, therefore, no one will be declared right. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. To those in which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness is given through faith, through believing in Jesus Christ. It's to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew, the one grew up understanding some of the truths about who the one true God is, and Gentiles, the ones who didn't give a rip. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justly, are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Remember we gave a working definition of this concept of being justified by faith? It sounds cheesy, but I tell you, if you grab a hold of the concept, it, it, totally, you totally own it. And justified is simply just as if I'd never sinned. It's just dealt with. All of this stuff that was piled up against you, Jesus handled it. That's why the, the, <clears throat> the best person who was dead in their trespasses and the worst person who's dead in their trespasses, it all is dealt with. It all is dealt with in Jesus Christ. We're all justified by what he has done. See, Romans 3.25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. That he's the one that made it right. He's the one that fixed it all. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. That God cares and is loving and is righteous. Because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand undealt with. So that it would all be dealt with in Jesus. So he left the sins that had come before and all of humanity who had come before. And then guess what? All of humanity that would come later, it all gets dealt with in Jesus. And he did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. And then Romans 3.27. says, where then is boasting? Does anybody get to say... Man, I'm awesome at this. I'm 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 really good. I'm a really good Christ follower. I'm, I'm doing a really good job at this. I'm a really good Christian. Does anybody get to do that? Does it, do any of us get to kind of look at one another and go, "Man, I'm I'm kind of I kind of love Jesus a little more than you." I'm doing this. I'm doing this Jesus thing a little bit better. Now here's the thing: we can do church better than one another. All of a sudden, we get the little churchy thing going. Have our own little hierarchy of stuff. Have our own little inner workings. Our own little secret code. Our own little you do this, and this, and this, and this, and that, and that. And all of a sudden, find pride. But this concept, this concept of, of the core relationship with God, there's no, there's no one who's better than another. There's just because I get the privilege of getting... To, to lead a congregation, a group of people. It doesn't mean I'm better at this than anybody else. There's no boasting. There's no patting on the back. Where there's boasting, it's excluded because of what law? The law that requires works? Nope. It's excluded because of the law that requires faith. Why? Because it's the same thing that fixes us all. It's believing that Jesus did it. That's it. That is it. There's nothing else. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And now we come back to where we started. John 6, 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's it. We don't add to it. We don't take away. We have a living Holy Spirit on the inside of us who's growing and challenging us and and allowing us to to develop and express His heart more and more in two fronts, and that's it. In loving God and loving others, that is it. So the Holy Spirit is is challenging us. And where does that always, where is your faith always challenged? In loving God and loving others. Always. Holy Spirit begins to move on you to, to be patient with somebody. Holy Spirit moves on you to be generous to somebody. Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, it's always in loving God and loving others. It always is there. And we just simply walk in a place. It doesn't get any more complicated than this. I just believe in that He's, he's active. Believe in, in the one He was sent. And we keep it about Jesus, and the rest of it can grow. And we try to work and allow the Holy Spirit to correct us, to stand corrected. Brandon, you've begun to make it about this. I stand corrected. You begin to make it about this. I stand corrected. It's just Jesus, always. The bottom line, it's all about trusting that Jesus is enough, Every time we want to add to it the truth of the matter is we're not trusting Jesus is, really is enough. That's it. As hard as that is to swallow, that's the core. We're just not trusting he's enough. And he is enough. See, the good news is that Jesus really does bring life to all of us. He does. Our growth in him, all of that. So this morning I want to create a quiet moment. I feel like we've presented it really clear. We'll get into some other things as we move forward in this series, but it has to start here. That you recognize that this, being a Christ follower, is simply about recognizing that you're in the pack with everybody else. None were righteous. You don't have your stuff together. You can't stand before God and say, you know what? I'm better than average. You need to take me. Mm-mm. He says, you know what? You didn't make it. So I sent Jesus because I want to take you. And that's it. So if you're here this morning and you recognize that and you say, Brandon, I get it. I get it. I've been reluctant to follow you. I've been reluctant to follow the things of Jesus. I've been reluctant to do it because I was, I was concerned that I was going to be an embarrassment to him and that I wouldn't do it right and that all I would do was fail. But I recognize that he would take me as I am. And this is about just trusting him, and I do it. I believe that he did it for me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Awesome, 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 awesome. awesome. Wonderful. Wonderful. Believers, I ask you to just lift your voice with these. You've already, you've you've believed, you've done the work. You've stepped over from death to life. And I want us to lift our voices together with with this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that Jesus is enough. That I don't have to add to it. That he has done it all. His death covers my death. And his life is now my life. I give you permission to work in my heart. To begin to change me from the inside out. I trust you. I give you my life. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Woo. I want you to just stand up. We want to go out of here today. I want to encourage you. This week, I want you to just think about it. Just think about the fact that you are 100% right with God right now. Right now. You're going to try to come up with all of different stuff that the Holy Spirit's working on right now. But that doesn't separate you from him jesus is what brought you in and jesus is what holds you there so think about that all week long heavenly father i thank you for your goodness i thank you for your love and your mercy and the richness of your grace lord we go out of here today with a fresh reminder lord a fresh understanding that it really is all about you We try to complicate it and make it about so many other things. And it's just not that at all. It is about you. And Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that your love reaches to us and meets us right where we are. And that you love us so much you don't leave us there. That you keep us moving forward with you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a beautiful June Sunday.